seated if you're able to today in his presence. So I went a little long at the 9 o'clock service this morning, so I need to jump right into this word. It's the great theologian Jerry Reed once said, I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. We have been doing a series called Under God. We are dissecting, I suppose, the, uh, the image that everything is under him. And if everything is under him, that means everything is in control by him. The last several weeks, the way we have been looking at what is under God is we have been looking at the names of God, how he demonstrates himself to us through his word by his different names. Because as we learn his names, we learn different natures of him. We learn different attributes of him. We learn what he is not only capable of, but what he desires to do in different circumstances of our lives. And if you were uh, part of our Wednesday night online Facebook Live uh, Bible study, I was talking about how this season has been the most unusual season of my life. Uh, People who were friendly in March have become mean as a junkyard dog. Uh, People are honking their horns more frequently. Uh, They don't have any patience in lines at stores any longer. People have... Uh, went to war over whether you're wearing a mask and they are not. It's, it's absolutely become chaotic in people's lives. People's true nature comes out when the squeeze happens. See, you can lie and portray a lot of things in this world. You, you can put on a face, but when you squeeze a lime, you don't get orange juice. Because orange juice is not on the inside of it. When it's put under pressure, what's on the inside comes outside. And that's what's happening in the world today. The world is under such constant pressure. What's really inside, folks, is coming out. It is the most challenging season. I just shared this with my wife uh, yesterday. It's the most challenging season of my ministry. I've been put through tests and trials before. I have withstood fiery darts from the enemy before. I have been put under spiritual warfare many, many times in my career as a pastor. But this is the most unique and the most challenging time. Not only are we handling a pandemic, not only are we uh, trying to navigate through waters that we have never navigated through, uh, but there are a lot of folks that uh, have never came back to church. They left in March because the church is closed down and they have not yet returned. Uh, they, there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on in the nation. To top all of that off, we're going to have an election which always brings the ugly out of almost everybody. Uh, th- this was the worst possible year for us to have to elect another president. Uh, we we'd already opened a portal to something. And, and, uh, and we got two hurricanes going on in the same place. That's never happened before. And we got a pandemic, and that's never happened before. And now we're about to have an election. This was the worst possible year for that to happen, but here we are. And you see the chaos on people's faces. You see when you go out that people are just angry and they're frustrated and they got pent-up energy. And it's because for most of their life they've been able to hide what was really on the inside of them. But see, when you're put under pressure, what's in you comes out of you. Uh, you, there ain't enough, listen, some of y'all, some of y'all need to quit playing with them filters because when y'all get to the pearly gates, they ain't going to let you in because they're not going to recognize you. 
You can put a whole lot of filters on yourself down here and all your Instagram photos and all your Facebook pictures look one way. You go up to heaven and whoever's manning the gate up there saying, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are because I ain't never seen you before. <laughs> so, so, so you can put a filter on, but when you get squeezed real good, what's really inside of you comes out of you. Amen. And, and, and so we've got, we, we've got this imagery going on in the world uh, that, that, that what's, what's happening now is not normal. But I'm wondering if maybe, just maybe, what's happening now is normal and what was before was the phony. And now that we have all been kind of reset back to zero, we're having to deal with some things that we had hidden underneath filters. We had hidden underneath uh, uh, projection. And now what's really out and about is what God's trying to deal with. And so this morning's message, I may be preaching the most important message somebody will hear all year. Because I'm going to deal with something that is escaping and eluding a lot of people in the world today. Whether it's in the home or the church or the family or anywhere else life finds us, trouble is everywhere. There's genuine folk that are sick right now. Not just from corona. There's people dying in hospitals and their family can't even go and visit them. There's people alone in nursing homes and their families can't even join them and they are depressed and families are falling apart. Some families are falling apart because Corona had them separated. Other families are falling apart because they got stuck together. And they didn't realize how much they didn't like each other until they all got trapped in the same house for three months. And, and if you go around, you'll see the look of depression on more and more faces and frustration. And it's in light of all these troubling times that I want to introduce you to another name of God. The name of God that many of us need more than any other. And that is Jehovah Shalom. Which simply means the Lord is peace. The Lord is here. There will be peace. I'm going to take my story this morning from Judges chapter 6. And I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to give you the hillbilly vernacular version of most of it. You can go back and read it for yourself on your own time. I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase it as I go along because uh, the King James uh, version of this is a little bit stuffy. So I'm going to give you a, a different kind of version. Again, go back and check me out. Be like a good Berean and go back and read it for yourself. But I'm going to kind of paraphrase the story. But some of the verses are important. Now I will share them with you. And one of those verses is verse 1. Chapter 6 and verse 1. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Stop right there. That's good, that's a, that's good enough preaching right there. They did evil in, in the sight of the Lord. The first thing I want to draw to your attention is nothing escapes him. The Bible says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And by the way, anywhere you're doing evil, he sees it. You can hide it from the preacher. You can hide it from the boss. You can hide it from wifey and from hubby, but you ain't hiding it from him. And the Bible says that with every evil deed, there's a consequence attached to it. And we're about to find out what those consequences are because they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And because of that, the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian for seven years. In other words, because they rebelled against God, God gave them a consequence. And here is what the consequence was. And if you miss this first phrase, this first point, you'll, you'll miss the, the, the scope of my sermon, why you need peace. The Bible says they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and what caused that, what happened was, because they did evil in His sight, He let something that was supposed to be under their feet conquer them. 
Something that was supposed to be enslaved by them enslaved them. So many people don't have peace today because they have been trapped in this season of uncertainty and frustration and things that they thought they had control of actually have control of them. Frustration and anger and envy and jealousy and lust and undoing and debauchery, things that they went about their merry way for a long time pushing down and suppressing, and they thought they had control of it because nothing was poking the bear. But now, because of the world being shut down and things are being taken away and liberty and freedom are questioned, and now all of a sudden they're getting hateful and mean. Did they just develop that? No, no, no. Those are things that they thought they had enslaved that now are showing their true self and they are now enslaving the captor. Things that you thought you had control over are coming to the surface now. And things that were supposed to be slaves to them turned them into slaves because not doing things God's way will turn things that are supposed to be a blessing to you into a curse to you. When a job is given to you, the Bible says that is a blessing because if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But when that same job takes you away from God, the blessing turns into a curse. When a friendship, the Bible says if you want friends, be friendly. Friendships are great. Relationships are godly. However, when a relationship becomes more important than going to church, or when that person takes you away from God, what used to be a blessing becomes a curse to you. It is nothing wrong with you going out and buying a car. I'm glad you got transportation. I'm glad when I go out to this parking lot, I don't see a whole bunch of mules tied up out there. But when paying for a car becomes more important than being able to give to the Lord, what is a blessing to you becomes a curse to you. So we would do well to remember that it is the Lord who blesses. And according to Brother Job, He gives and He takes away. So God let the enemy conquer them. Because they did not deal with the enemy when they should have. Verse 4 tells us what Midian did once they got, onto the, uh, once they got uh, in control of Israel. The Bible says they destroyed the increase of their earth. They took all of their sheep, their oxes, and their donkeys. Verse 5 says they came with the cattle and their tents. They, they came in as a multitude like grasshoppers, the Bible says. And their camels were without numbers. The Bible says in verse 6 that Israel was greatly impoverished because of Midian. And the children of Israel cried to the Lord. Look what God allows the enemy to do to you when you do evil in his sight. Some of us are fighting the devil and we don't realize that we're the one that opened the door. We're rebuking the devil and trying to get him to leave and we don't realize we're the ones that invited him into the bedroom. We're the ones that invited him into our computer. We're the ones that invited him into our finances in the first place. And we're trying to rebuke a devil we've been paying patty cake with all week. Bible says in verse 11, there came an angel of the Lord set up under an oak tree. And Bible says in verse 12 that the angel of the Lord appeared to, to, to a man named Gideon and said, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I want to stop right there and show you something. At this point in time, Gideon is a coward. So what this angel just decreed about Gideon is not true at the time. But it is true about what he will make it. Because when God speaks to you, he's not speaking to who you are, but to what he's trying to turn you into. 
He speaks things that are not as though they already are. When God talks about you, he doesn't address the used to be you. He don't even remember that person. And he doesn't address the present you because he's still working on that. He addresses who he's turning you into. When he calls you prophet and you are still lost in sin, it's not because he is overlooking your sin. It's because he's not looking at the, the mess you're in. He's, mess, he's looking at the path he's going to put you on and send you down. Verse 13 says, Gideon said to this angel, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why is all of this befallen us? Where are all the miracles our fathers told us about? Didn't this Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now God, pay attention to this, God has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Listen, listen to the question Gideon asked because it's the same question I ask sometimes. God, if you're for me, where are you? God, if, if, if all this stuff I've been told in, my, in the Word of God and all these preachers have come through town and told me all these great things, where are you on it? i got to be honest with you. This is the most challenging season of my ministry. Because people are frustrated and they're down and they're depressed and a lot of folks that were here before Corona haven't come back and that's not just this church. The, the church world is suffering right now. There are churches that shut down for Corona and they will never open their doors again. We own one of them now. There are churches that have only gotten 20 to 30% of their people back in this valley. They shut their doors in March and they have not gotten but 30% of their attendance to come back. We're doing better than that, but we still, there's still people that I have not seen since Corona. They attend online on Wednesdays, but I haven't seen them. They, they, they've come by our Sunday morning online, and I haven't seen them. They have not come back to the church. And not to mention, I'm, I've got a 30,000 square foot building. I'm killing myself trying to get renovated. I'm weak. I'm spiritually weak. I'm emotionally weak. I'm physically tired. There's a lot going on. This is a challenging season. And that it's easy for us in those challenging seasons to look up and say, God, you told me to do this. Now, where are you? Where's the realization of all these promises? That's what he asked. He said, God, if you're for us, where are you? How come I can't find you? And then he answers himself. Pay attention to the end of that verse. The Lord has forsaken us and delivered us. Because we did evil in his sight, the Lord has forsaken us. The reason I can't find you is because I got in the way of us. The reason I can't find you is not because you don't love me anymore. It's because I decided I loved something else more than I loved you. See, you have to understand something about God. God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere all the time. He neither goes nor go, or stays because he's always everywhere. So that means that you can't get away from his presence. No matter what you do, no matter where you go and what you get into. I'm about to ruin somebody's fun night right now. It don't matter what you do, you cannot get out of the presence of God. He sees everything. Somebody's going to be getting ready to take a sip and go, that preacher, that stinking preacher, I didn't. I, I know I shouldn't have went to church Sunday. He has just ruined the taste of liquor right now for me. <laughs> uh, I, I know. I've been there. You can't get out of his presence. David said, if I made my bed in hell, you're there. I can't go anywhere and get out of his presence. However, however, just because you are in his presence does not mean he is present with you in your trauma. Just because he, you are 
in his presence because he's everywhere does not mean he is intervening in your pain. So you have to understand that just because God is everywhere doesn't mean he's helping you. I don't care how many times you shared that on Facebook. That's not the way this works. Share this ten times and you're going to get blessed. No, you're not. Stop. You're making us all look crazy. It's not the way this works. And just because God is in the presence, the vicinity, there's a lot of folks, if you were in the hospital in room 202 right now and you were dying of a lung disease or a heart attack, there's a lot of folks in that hospital. They're in the vicinity of your pain, but they ain't all helping you. There's a lot of nurses helping other people. There's a lot of doctors helping other people. There's a lot of visitors there that are just in the bathroom washing their hands. There's a lot of people down in the cafeteria making lunch. They are in the vicinity, but they're not helping your pain. Just because God is in the atmosphere doesn't mean he's helping you. So this is what Gideon understands. God is there in general, but not in specific sense. So technically, there's nowhere you can get away from him. But if you're not with him, he's not with you either. Verse 14, the Lord looked on him and said, Go, and you will save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. He calls an ordinary man to do an extraordinary thing. And he was going to use the exact same man who didn't even believe in himself. And Gideon hears this and he says, God, if this is you, I have to be sure. Before I go out here and get myself killed, I got to know this is you. So he said, if I have, this is verse 17. He says, if I found grace in your sight, show me a sign that I'm not talking to myself. He says, show me a sign that thou talkest with me. (laughs) Show me a sign I'm not crazy. Before I go out here and get myself maimed or killed, show me a sign that I'm not just blabbering on to myself that it's you. Verse 19 says, and Gideon went in, and made ready a kid. In other words, he made some goat head soup. Mm-mm. He got a baby goat, killed it, put it in a stew, made some unleavened bread. So he brought out some goat head soup and some cracker and set it on a rock in the presence of the Lord. Here's what he said. He said, if this is really you, God, I'm going to bring you a sacrifice. Please don't think God owes you something because you got up and got dressed this morning, brushed your teeth, and ran a comb through your hair and showed up to church. Sometimes you ain't going to get what you need from God unless you put out some real sacrifice. It's going to take you doing something to get something from God. And he puts this goat head soup and these crackers on a rock. And the Bible says that a flame came up out of the rock, consumed all of it, and left nothing left. And Gideon saw that and said, yep, this is real. Yep, I ain't talking to myself. There's something here. And and, and the Bible says in verse 21, And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and unleavened cakes, and he rose up fire out of the rock. Verse 22 says, And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, he said, Oh God, I'm going to die because I've seen the Lord face to face. See, first he was questioning that the Lord was there. Then when he knew the Lord was there, he got scared that the Lord was there. Ain't that just like us? Oh, God, I'm scared it's not you. And then when we know it is God, God, I'm scared it's you. And that's what happens to Gideon. Gideon asked the Lord to verify his presence because sometimes, you know, you're not sure. Because you talk to yourself. 
Is this you, God, or is this me? I need certainty here because this is too serious. I need to know this is your voice, God. I have to know you are guiding my steps. This is not just some, something I made up in my own mind. And verse 23 says, And the Lord said to him, Peace. Say that word out loud. Peace. He said, Peace be unto you. Fear not. You shall not die. He said, Even though you've seen this angel face to face, don't. Peace. Peace to you. You will not die. Why'd God tell him that? Because he, you can't see God and live. This wasn't the Lord. This was an angel of the Lord. And verse 24 says, And Gideon built an altar there. He built an altar. And he called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. So that raises a question to a preacher like me. What is peace? What exactly is peace? Because we, we have an image of what peace is, and I want to debunk some mystery for you, okay? Because you've been lied to. The first thing that peace is not, that you have believed it is, is peace is not a truce. It is simply not a ceasefire. Because a lot of people will, will cease fire, but still live in a war zone. Just because you and him ain't fighting no more does not mean y'all like each other. You, declare, you declared a ceasefire, but you still don't have peace. And anybody that's ever lived in a house where there's no fighting going on, but the atmosphere is still thick, you know what I'm talking about. You may not be fighting and fussing with somebody all day anymore, but now you're in a cold war. And you're not talking to each other. And people think that a cold war equals peace, and that's just a truce. That's just a ceasefire. Peace is different than that. Peace is also not the absence of trouble. See, a lot of people believe that in order for me to have peace, trouble has to leave. But real peace, and I'm going to teach you this in a minute, real peace means I can have it no matter what's going on around me. Real peace declares over my life that all hell can be breaking out in the world and it does not have to interfere with my peace because he is Jehovah Shalom. And as long as I have him in my atmosphere, everything else is going to come into order. So we consider the word Shalom, we often associate it with peace. However, peace is only a part of that definition. Let me give you the whole definition of Shalom. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, Welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony. I like this one. This is my favorite one. The absence of agitation. The absence of agitation. I told the first service, so I have to, te I have to tell you too. Some of y'all have been really, really upset, really, 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 really upset over this whole social distancing thing, and y'all about to lose your mind because you can't go out and hug people and talk to people and touch people and shake hands and, and fist pound and, and hug on people and love on people and talk to people. Can I tell you, I have been training my whole life for social distancing. I have a PhD in social distancing. I can walk into Walmart know what I'm after, snatch that thing off the shelf, walk all the way out, do the self-scan, and walk all the way in my car and never come into contact with another human being. And nothing makes me happier 
Some of y'all have been out of shape and upset because you can't stop and talk to people. I pull my mask up to here. I pull my cat bill down to here. All you get is about two inches of eyeballs. I'm in the store, baby. I'm out of the store. Nobody stops me. I have an absence of agitation. Anybody stopping me in the bread aisle wanting me to tell them about this scripture they read in Hosea last week? Pastor, what do you think this means in Revelation? It means the same thing I've been preaching for 20 years. Where you been? But now, because I get to hide behind a mask, I have an absence of agitation. I have peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. In other words, when you have peace, you have no more drama. It don't matter what they wrote on Facebook. It don't matter... <laughs> Oh, I'll get into this in a minute. I better, I better, I better hold some stuff back. I'm going to give you all my good stuff up front. It don't matter what they wrote on Facebook. It doesn't matter what's going on in the family. It doesn't matter what's going on in the cubicle next to you because you have no more drama. That doesn't say there's no more drama in the world. It says there's no more drama in your world. Peace is well-being in spite of your circumstances because me and God are on the same page. And what I have learned in this time of knowing who Jehovah Shalom is is that if me and him are on the same page, it don't matter who gets sideways with me. As long as he is with, for me, who cares who's against me? And if you don't believe me, go over to Isaiah chapter 57 and read verse 20 and 21. The wicked are like the troubled sea. Are you like the troubled sea? Skip over that wicked word. Is your life like the troubled sea? Now back up and see if maybe that's the cause of it. I'm not saying it is, but it could be. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose water cast up mire and dirt. Verse 21, there is no peace, saith Billy Graham. Oh, that's not what I said? Saith Bishop Mitchum. No, that's not what I said? How, how about Apostle Paul? Is that who said that? Saith the Lord. Here's what the Bible says. There's no peace for the wicked. God said so. God said so. You can take it up with Him. God said so. Because sin interrupts peace. There is no peace for the wicked. Sin stands diametrically opposed to you and peace. Just like the Midianites was allowed to overrun Israel, hell is allowed to overrun you the more disconnected you get from God. And if you are not willing to deal with the sin that comes between you and the Lord, you shouldn't be looking for God's peace. That's why a lot of people get into stuff that they don't need in their lives because they're looking for peace but they can't find any. So they create distractions so they can forget how bad things really are. But see, peace is when you don't have to create artificial distractions because Jehovah Shalom says the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. The Lord, it, don't misquote that because it does not say the money is peace. It does not say everybody staying and nobody leaving me is peace. It does not say the job is peace. The house is peace. This relationship is peace. Doesn't say any of that. It says Jehovah Shalom, the Lord and God all by himself is peace. Watch this. That means it don't matter who my neighbor votes for. 
Because who they vote for ain't got nothing to do with me and him. It only makes you mad if it's between you and them. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go one step further. It doesn't matter after November 4th who's sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It doesn't make any difference whatsoever to my peace because they are not in control of it. He is in control of it. And if you get so tore up because somebody won and somebody lost and it wasn't the one you wanted, then your peace is tied up to the wrong hitch. We have got too many people that call themselves Christians today that are too invested in the earth realm and not invested diligently enough in the heavenly realm because when your hope is in Him, you don't worry about what's going on here. The Lord is peace. So that raises the next question. If He is peace, how do I get it? I need it. I need it. And if I can't change my circumstances, how do I get the inner peace and be whole. Well, we get it the same way Gideon got it. He got peace when the Lord showed up. He was called to do the impossible. And he was tore up about it. And he didn't get peace until the presence of God showed up in his life. He hadn't even fought the Midianites yet. The Bible says that when he, he got serious about peace, about getting peace, the Bible says he worshipped the Lord. He put up a sacrifice. He praised. He ain't even fought the Midianites yet. He ain't solved the problem yet. Oh, I'm going to give it to you like this. The problem is still the problem. But he's still got his praise on. See, 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 he builds an altar and he has a worship service before the problem has even been solved. He didn't get peace when he whipped the Midianites because he hadn't whooped them yet. But he builds an altar and he praises God until peace comes down. He praises God for peace, not because his situation changed. He praises Him for peace because God showed up in his situation. And his realization is what your realization needs to be. My praise brings His presence. His presence brings His peace. My praise causes him to come into the atmosphere. And when God arises, his enemies will scatter. So his presence stabilizes everything in my life. My heartbeat slows down. My, my intentions get deeper. I stop wishing ill of other people. I start praising God in spite of everything going on. And his presence brings my, his peace. So my praise ushers him into the door. And when he, when he comes into the room, his peace causes everything in me to calm down. We're trying to skip ushering in his presence and get peace because we bought a bunch of stuff off the internet. We're trying to get peace because we found a new relationship. We're trying to get peace because we, we got the promotion at work. We're trying to skip his presence and get right to the peace by buying it or working harder or going to counseling or joining a 12-step or a 14-step or 6-step or 2-step. We're always trying to do something to usher in peace but here's the thing, you can't do it because his peace passes our understanding. 
That means there's no earthly way for you to tap into His peace. What you are, in t- it, what you are mandated to do is bring His presence in. And the Bible gives us a very clear definition and roadmap to doing that. His praise, our praises, He inhabits those things. So when we praise Him, His presence comes in. And when His presence comes in, He brings peace. You can't buy it. You can't manufacture it. You can't send to China and get it brought over here through Amazon next day. You cannot encounter peace until you have first ushered in His presence. So here's Gideon. Praising the Lord, not deflecting, but gaining real peace. And he tries to put together an army of about 34,000 men. The Midianites had about 180,000 to 200,000. And he's got 34. And God says, go down and pick a fight. And, hey, God... I don't know if you're not so good with math. But A equals B squared over C. This is bad. They got a whole lot. We got a little bit. When that's the case, you're supposed to run. You're not supposed to go start something. God says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Not only are we going to go start a fight, but you have too many. No, 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 you didn't hear me, God. I don't have enough. He said, no, you have too many. So after God's tests were all done, Gideon ends up with not 34,000, but 300. Hey, God, uh, remember that? We, uh, remember, do, do, do you remember just a minute ago when we were talking? And, and I told you 34,000 wasn't enough? This is the opposite thing I thought was going to happen. <laughs> this wasn't anywhere close to the outcome that I... Now you want me to go down and fight them, not with 34,000, but with 300. God said, no. I want you to go down and fight them with 300 men and me. Because I could have sent you down with the 34,000, and if I didn't go with you, you'd have still got whooped. But because I'm going to go with you, you don't need anything that you can manufacture because you can't make this happen. There's not a lawsuit that can make it happen. There's not a court order that can make it happen. There's not enough working hours in a week that can make it happen. You can't save enough money. You can't burn enough bridges. You can't upset enough people or make enough people happy. You can't make this happen. God said, I want you to know that when you are down to nothing, I am up to something good, and I care about you. My God in heaven, give him some praise, church. And here's what he said, Gideon, I'm going to show you why I know this. I want to show you. I want you to sneak down to the Midianite camp, and I want you to hear what they're saying about you. And Gideon snuck down to the Midianite camp, and they didn't know what, that he was there, and he heard the Midianites talking. And the Midianites said, Israel and their God is going to defeat us. This is why God don't get tore up about stuff the way you do. He's got inside information. He hears what the devil's saying about you. 
See, you hear what other folks are saying about you. You hear what the court order says. You hear what the bank note says. You hear what the doctor's report says. But God hears what the devil is saying about you. And he hears that the devil knows that if you ever understand that you and God are enough, he, he is in for a licking. He is in for a whooping. He knows that you and God are enough. I could run. I've been Methodist too long during this COVID. I could get Pentecostal in a hurry. He had heard what the enemy said about him. And because of that, he gained confidence. Now, I want to leave you with a, we're going to, we're going to put a twist on this. Isaiah 26 and 3 says this. How many needs perfect peace? Perfect peace. Here's what Isaiah says. God will give you perfect peace if your mind is stayed. Now, we don't talk like this anymore. Here's what it means. If you will get your mind set on God, He will give you perfect peace. His presence brings His peace. My praise brings His presence. His presence brings His peace. But I have to have, the only way for me to get Him to where I need Him to be to bring His peace is I, my mind has to be set on Him. But the devil is a sly old fox. And he has a lot of ways to keep your mind set on the wrong stuff. What's that, Paul? What's Romans 8 tell me? It, for they that are of the flesh do mind things of the flesh. They mind things of the flesh because their mind is set on. But after that, are, after the Spirit, are things of the Spirit. Verse 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death. But listen to what it says. But to be spiritually minded is two things. What? He could have just, listen, to be carnally minded is one thing. Death. But notice Paul could have said, he very easily could have said, and the opposite of that is to be spiritually minded is, is life and put a period and it would have been okay. But he said, carnal mindedness leads you to one thing, one end result, and that's it, death. Spiritual mindedness brings you not only life, but the thing that's eluding the world today. Peace. Paul says, you want peace? Find life. There's life by being spiritually minded. He says, if you've got to have peace, you've got to learn how to set your mind. You need a mind set. Because if you set your mind on the flesh, it's going to follow death. Death is separation from God. And can I tell you something about the devil? You don't even have to really be following the devil to end up with the devil. All you have to do is get your mind on the devil's stuff and the rest of you will eventually end up there. You can come to church every time the doors are open, shout praises, cry tears, come to the altar, give tithes, join the church, get baptized in water, and not change a thing about your life because I've watched it over and over and over and over and over again. Because until you make up your mind, until you have a mindset that God is the most important thing in your life and you are willing to sacrifice all of you to get all of Him, nothing will really change in your life. You can be carnally minded and be sitting in a church pew. 
Your geographical location on Sunday morning does nothing to bring you into the presence of Jehovah Shalom. If you are going to have this, you're going to have to realize that you don't have to be a worshiper of Satan. All you got to do is want his stuff. Have your mind on his stuff. And eventually the rest of you will end up there. What is being spiritually minded? That means you see things from God's point of view. But you have to have a set mind. You have to get your mind set on things of the Spirit. Let me give it to you like this. I, I told the 9 o'clock service uh, this analogy. For years and years and years of my life, I got up at 5.30 or before. No, no particular reason. I just thought you're supposed to get up early. Some of y'all didn't even know 5.30 came twice in the same day. You thought it only came one time. I've always gotten up early since I got saved. I like to get up. I like to pray. I like to read my Bible. I like to spend time with, with God. I like to drink coffee and go through Scripture and just get my mind set for my day. Because the chaos of yesterday, I don't want it to follow me into today. I need to have a new mindset. So I get up early. I spend some time with God. And for years and years and years, I set an alarm. Because who gets up at 5.30? So I would set an alarm... And for years and years and years, the clock would have me get up at whatever time I needed for things to happen. But after so many years of doing that, my body developed an internal clock that even though now I don't necessarily want up at 5.30, at 5.30 my eyes spring open and my eyeballs tells the rest of me, well, I guess it's that time. And I look over at my clock and say, I didn't even have you set. Because for years, I had an external stimulus to invoke something happening on the inside of me. And after that happened for so long, the inside of me no longer needed the external stimulus. It started doing by nature what I used to have to happen by influence, my God in heaven. So that means in order for me to be spiritually minded, I have to set my mind. You need to turn off Facebook, turn off the news, turn off the TV, and put on the Holy Spirit and get the armor of God and open that Word and get your mind set. And what will happen to you is after you've done that for a long time, you won't actually need that external stimulus anymore because what you used to need the alarm to do now happens by an internal response to what you did your mind is now set and if you haven't set your mind you're going to be carnally minded uh -huh. if you're not intentional about it and if you're not used to operating in the spirit you have to intentionally set it until you've done it enough to where you get a built-in response to the Holy Spirit so many folk been carnal so long they keep coming to church, but their in internal clock is set to carnality. So they don't even have to try to lie. The clock just goes off and so do the lies. They don't have to try to lust. They've been doing it their whole life. They've been set to do it. Oh, did you hear how quiet it got in here? Same way with faith. A lot of folks have never got their mind set on faith, so they naturally operate in worry, doubt, and fear. And that setting has been running their life 
their whole life, and they have never set their mind on faith. So the first time something bad happens, they revert back to fear, worry, and doubt because they've never set their mind to faith. So we have to reset our clock intentionally until we learn how to get up to God's point of view. And it'll get to the point, child of God, where you will feel weird going back to the old setting. Just yesterday, because of a contractor, basically just lied to my face. And I text my wife, I said, tell me something to calm me down. Because I don't like this kinder, gentler bishop. I want the BC me. God, just about five minutes, just turn around for about five minutes. I don't want to backslide all the way to hell, but I will tell this fella, he called me a liar. He said I said something I didn't say, and there is 0% probability that he is right. There is absolutely no way I said what he said I said, and I want to stand up for myself. And as I was typing out my message, Holy Spirit said, delete, delete, delete. I don't want to delete. I want to tell this guy, meet me at the so-and-so with the such-and-such, and and you and me are going to handle this like two men. I thought you was a preacher. Not right now. I ain't no preacher. You said I was a liar. I'm going to fight you like a liar. Y'all ain't going to help me. But what happens is I have been set to this internal mindset for so long. When I get ready to do it and I'm going to tell him what I think about him, it's more like I want you to come to church and get saved because Jesus loves you. Let me tell you something about let me, the, the Lord loves you. And you want to go off, but you have set your mind. And even when you want to go back, you feel weird about going back to your old carnal setting. And you won't get this, you'll never get this if you're one of them that only set yourself on Sundays. See, we found out during Corona, there's a whole lot of folks that only set their carnal minds aside on Sundays. And when they wasn't allowed to come to church for three months, they never found their way back. Because they didn't have that internal relationship. They only had an external response to a Sunday worship service. But I need God's peace. His presence brings peace. Have you ever heard an orchestra warming up? Have you ever heard that? Sounds lovely, doesn't it? I mean, the tuba's playing one thing, and the cymbals are playing something, and the violins are over here. And none of the violins are playing the same thing. They're all playing. Not only are they not in the same key, they're not even playing the same stuff. Clang, 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 bang, bang, bang. Nobody's listening to anybody else. They're all just making noise themselves. You ever heard that? I mean, it just it sounds like total chaos. I mean, it's, everybody is just clamoring and making their own representation of what they think sound's supposed to sound like. And then there's somebody who's not even on the stage who comes onto the scene and makes his presence known he's called the conductor and when he makes his presence known all the things that sounded like chaos comes into order 
all of the things that sounded like they were just making their own noise and were clamoring for their own sound and was trying to do their own thing when the conductor makes his presence now he wasn't even on the stage but when his presence came my god when his presence all that chaos became peace all of that noise became peace all of that turbulence became peace all because he announced himself all because he walked up and says hey i'm a very important person and i've come here to set this place in order and all that stuff that you have been hearing is not the reality of what it is i have come here to make every bit of this come into order and have peace. And I came here this morning to tell somebody that the orchestra has been making a lot of noise and you have had your ear tuned to it and it sounds like there is nothing that is making any sense but the Holy Spirit wants me to know that I hear a rapping on the table of your life and all that chaos is about to come into order and peace is on its way. The conductor is here. He's stepping into the presence of your life. He is standing in front of you right now and he's speaking peace. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father. About jump your feet, church, all over this room and throw your hands in the air. I hear a rapping. I hear his presence announcing himself. Peace, peace, peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives you, but my peace. My peace. I leave with you. His presence changes what happens in the room. You can't work hard enough to make it happen. You can't fight hard enough to make it happen. But when he steps onto the stage, his peace. His peace. His peace. Our problem is we're trying to make music with the conductor off the stage and we wonder why there's so much drama. We keep the conductor outside and wonder why we don't have good music in our house, good music on our job, good music at the church, good music in our family. I hear him. I hear him striking up the band for somebody. Peace is coming. Peace is coming. Peace. Peace. Holy Spirit, I feel the anointing right now to just cast the chaos aside for somebody. Hear this preacher this morning. I don't know who he sent here to hear this, but somebody needs to hear it. He is speaking peace over your storm right now. You can't work hard enough. You can't fight enough devils to get this to happen. He is the only one that brings his peace. His presence is here. He's making his presence known. I hear him warming up the band. He's about to bring peace out of your chaos. If that's you, if you feel like that, you just start thanking him for it right now. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. He's bringing peace to somebody right now. If that's you, claim it. Claim it. Claim it in the name of Jesus. Hey. My God, somebody's marriage, 
Peace is coming to your marriage. Somebody's children, peace is coming for your children. Somebody's financial situation, peace is coming. I hear the conductor warming up the band, and he's speaking peace over your mess right now. It has seemed like utter chaos and confusion, but it's going to work out together for good to those that love the Lord. Peace I leave with you. Somebody's health issues, I, I hear him speaking peace over you right now hallelujah hallelujah somebody's family I, I, I feel there's about four or five families in here that right now if you grab a hold of this your family is going to be blessed with peace I don't think there's one maybe it's somebody watching by live stream but I don't think there's just one I feel like there's four or five families and some of the families not even here but they are going to be blessed because you are going to receive peace and that peace is going to run throughout. I hear him right now making his presence known over that family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He's making his presence known. And it's going to reverberate from this place. And they're going to receive it where they are. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Peace. Peace. Wonderful peace. Coming down. From the Father above. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're one of those that grabbed hold of that promise, can you just say that with your lips this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you believe your family was touched this morning, say thank you, Jesus. If you're one of those that believes that your finances is about to have a blessing put on them, say, thank you, Jesus. If you're one of those that your health has been less than desirable condition, but you believe that he's about to speak peace over it, can you just say, thank you, Jesus. This is not something that I manufactured. I didn't intend to do this. I didn't do this at the 9 o'clock service. I just want somebody right now. I feel the Holy Ghost sent you here to receive something supernatural, and it's his peace that he leaves with you. Listen, you can live in that cold house if you want to, but God says you can have peace, not just a ceasefire, not just a stop order of, of, of warfare. You can have an actual peace in your house. Claim it this morning in the name of Jesus. Was this word a blessing to anybody this morning? Did it help anybody this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy God bless you, Promise of Victory. I'm so glad to see your faces. Good morning, Promise of Victory. We hope you enjoyed church. Whether you're here in person or continuing to join us online, we are glad you are with us today. We would love nothing more than to stay connected with you. So make sure you check out our app, follow our Facebook page, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have all three of those, you won't miss out on anything. Social distancing doesn't mean we can't stay connected with each other.